Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast. Fit is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress, and this podcast isn't like the cookie cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted. No matter how far, wide, deep, or high the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. I'm actually going to be talking about Jeff Bezos. And so it's so crazy when you guys are like, my gosh, God is so cool the way he connects people in a certain exact amount of time with the same topic and the same mindset. And I had the opportunity of going on my second honeymoon uh, for the last 10 days. And no, it's not because I've got remarried. It's my 10 year anniversary with my husband. And so we did 10 days for 10 years and it was incredibly special. Uh, and of course my team was like, you're not allowed to work. We're going to ignore you if you send us any information or respond to any emails. Uh, but when I pulled into our, our place, our boutique that we were staying, I saw, even though I'd brought multiple books, I saw the book by Jeff Bezos, Invent and Wander. And I really wanted to read the books that I had brought because they were from author friends of mine who, you know, when you get a signed copy, you just, you have to read the whole thing. It has to have a bent binding on it. Otherwise it's not as cool. Uh, and so I had this intention of reading these other books and I saw this and I'm like, this was meant for me. This was literally placed here in this brand new place. It's an old used book version of his book called Invent and Wander. And so today when I saw the title is What You Believe Really True or Is It True For You? I wanted to unpack the seven things that I learned from Amazon, from Jeff Bezos through this specific book that he wrote. Um, and it was really uniquely designed. And I think it's going to not only help you question your own belief systems as it did for me, but it's also going to call you higher in how you're showing up as a leader, as an entrepreneur, someone within, you know, Glenn's five realms of F's, the faith, fitness, finance, family, uh, fun. Did I miss one? Faith, fitness, finance, family, fun. No, I got them all. Yay. Um, I rattled those off quickly. Glenn, you have indoctrinated me. And so I am, I'm excited to go through this list. I want to make sure that you're taking notes that are an extension from what Marvin was sharing as far as the smartest goals and the pact concept, because that truly is how these things come to fruition. So I'm going to let you open your mic and answer this because it's a, a founding belief. If you're not learning your learning, if you're not learning your If you're not learning, you're dying. There it is. There it is. If you're not learning, that means you're not growing and therefore you are dying. Anything in the natural realm, and this is visual both in plants and a garden as much as it is in our internal interior self, our mental health, our emotional health, all of those things, even our physicality, we're growing and learning consistently. We're taking in information, but if you've found a place of stagnation or complacency in your dream associated to your goals, your dream 
your goals are dying. So let's get going down this seven list of the invent and wander and all inspired by Jeff Bezos himself. So number one thing that I learned was six pages is enough. And so instead of doing this huge slide deck, instead of having these big long meetings of a meeting about a meeting about a meeting, right? This often happens in our, in our corporate setting or our teams. He decided at the end of every single year, he was going to write a six page letter to all of the stockholders, the community, the investors, everyone that was a part of the team. And that in six pages, he should be able to nail down exactly what Amazon has done in the last 12 months and exactly where they're going from a goal setting perspective in the next 12 months based on that new information that he's received. So I think often, and Glenn kind of alluded to this earlier, as well as Bill, that we can be overzealous in the information that we provide to people. And that fire hose is not actually helping. It might stroke your own ego, but in many even group settings that I've experienced, when I go in with the idea, I'm going to share about this one topic, and then I make these lists of seven things like I'm about to do right now. Sometimes the lists are too grandiose for people to comprehend and apply. And so then what happens? They're left in a place of, wow, that was a lot. That was awesome. That was great. But I have no idea what to do with it. We forget our own genius. We forget based on the information and the time that we've invested, such as an entire year between each of these letters that this is what the book was premised off of, we forget how much energy you've put in to coming to these conclusions, to this revelation. And therefore, it's easy for us to give everything we got and realize that the person on the receiving end wasn't there for the last 12 months. So the fact that we can turn all of this information into six pages gives me peace. It gives me hope. More work doesn't mean more efficient. More work doesn't mean it's better. More work doesn't mean it's more valuable. So maybe you can take everything that you have that's so long and turn it into something that is only six pages long. And it doesn't need to have all of the stock information or the investor graphics or any of those pieces. I just recently had launched an ambassador program alongside Fit and Faith Media, which you can see in the link here. And this ambassador program, I brought together a bunch of people. I gave them the basics of the information that they needed to know in a slide deck. Sorry, Bezos. But the slide deck was only seven pages long. So I almost meet his six-page criteria. And each of those decks, each of those pages in the deck had less than 10 words on it. And so that should land enough based on the girth of information that you come to the table with. So six pages is enough. That's number one. Number two from Invent and Wander is customers always first. We hear this a lot, you know, customer service matters. Um, the customer's opinion is most important. But I think the way that Bezos positioned himself and the customers in this belief system, every single time someone new was brought into the community, this was, this was a part of the way that they programmed and consistently show up. And I think that's the difference between the title of this room is, do you believe that really? Do you actually believe that if you're not learning, you're dying? Because a lot of times people will position themselves based in a goal and they're not learning and therefore the goal they're trying to attain is unattainable because they're not stepping in to the next zone of genius, the higher sense of self to make that goal actually come to fruition. 
And so if customers are always first, and in our company, we call our clients our partners, and I have to come sometimes reiterate that for the people in the community who haven't heard that before, but we don't believe in a hierarchical system. Just because you hired me as your coach doesn't make me above you. It's the same concept of Napoleon Hill's mastermind. We are all sitting at the table together. It's exactly why Breakfast with Champions was created. We want everyone to have a seat at the table. And the last time I checked, unless you have one of those fancy pumping chairs at your desk, nobody's higher than anyone when we're sitting, even based in stature and height. We're all in the same line of sight. We're all eating from the same height table. And I think that that is really important for us to recognize that if we ever inflate ourselves to a higher sense, even in your org chart, right? In your org chart, I get it. There's like a communication dichotomy and you're putting yourself in maybe a higher role and there's managers in between you and then there's team leaders beneath that and then you have the people within those realms. That's important from a communication perspective. But if you can't come and sit at the same table with those people and have an opportunity like Bezos does, even in just writing this letter and sitting with the customers, having focus groups, understanding your partners and realizing that they're teaching you every single time you're meeting with them to teach them something. There is a two-way street of communication and therefore customers always win. Customers are always the priority. And I love how they've literally created and taken every action in Amazon based in this truth. So does he believe it? Absolutely. And you can tell based on year to year and what transpired that he really was putting that as the priority. Number three, inviting competitors could be a win-win. So I know you hear community over competition all the time. I get it. It's kind of, it's even got tags and gifts in Instagram. But do you really believe that? Are you actually putting your energy into creating relationships with who other people would perceivingly say is your competitor? The amount of Facebook groups, even as an example, of Christian entrepreneurs that I am in is too many to count. And I don't go in there as a competitor. I go in there to serve alongside them because if I can inflate their truth, if I can inflate their mission, don't you think we're all rising together, right? I think all of these little taglines that people use, they're pretty and it might make you sound good, but action associated to belief is truly what we want to see, right? Our actions speak louder than words. And so make sure you're an action tape taker when it comes to comp competition. What he did, what Bezos did was he invited all of the fellow salespeople who were selling the exact same product perhaps even selling it for less, which he, he was huge on numbers. He, his goal, in addition to customers, was to have the lowest price worldwide. So he would invite these competitors onto his platform and allow them to compete for the sale. And the entire organization was against him. And I didn't put this as a number, but I think it's really important. What is your intuition telling you associated to your goal, to your vision, to your mission? We can be teeter-tottered based on other people's fear or limiting beliefs. But if you have an intuition and a gut knowing that this is the right thing to do, especially when it has to do with competition, why not invite them? Why not get curious and have a roundtable discussion? Why not open up opportunities for conversations that otherwise wouldn't be there? Why not share partners slash clients? Why not give them an opportunity to do something with both of you to magnify the mission. 
no one is doing the exact same thing as you. So honestly, if you look at it, no one is competing. It's not a competition. Even if you have the Wawa on one corner and 7-Eleven on another, do you think if they had that perspective that they would even plant right next door? No. Yes, people drive left, people drive right. It depends on what side of the street they're on that day. And you have a unique quality about you that differentiates you enough from your competitor that you don't have to have scarcity mentality. And ultimately, that's what it is. It's scarcity mentality, which is leaving people less than. And Bezos knew that that was actually going to be his advantage. And he, he knew with an inclination, but he didn't know for several years, several six pages later, that I was able to read in this book that it actually proved to be true. And so there was consistent doubt by investors and stockholders, people who were actually giving him their money, and he still didn't let that weigh his decision. He stuck with the plan. And I think when we think about goals like Marvin was sharing with us before, we think about goals we, even in a timeliness factor, that's what the T stands for, timely. If we don't hit that goal, are you reevaluating, which was the E, the smartest, or are you just saying, eh, it's, it's not for me, it's not now, maybe I'll try again later. Does it get pushed to the side because something new comes into play? Competition associated to timeliness is everyone gets a piece of the cake at their right time. And I think it's premised in this exact concept of, of how this came to fruition, this conversation of inventing and wandering. Competitors are always learning. They're always inventing. They're always wandering. And therefore, there's no stagnation in their mission and competition is at their side. It's in their hand. They're shaking hands, in fact, with it. So let competition be a win-win. All right, we're on to number four. Time goes so fast here. All right, you can operate on less than you think. There is this conversation of massive stock variation that transpired uh, when he lost a lot of money. This also happened with um, Adam from WeWork. When things shifted and mindsets shifted, and this is kind of happening if you believe that we're in a recession, I don't, but that's another conversation, is this idea of revenue versus profitability. People stopped looking at the revenue numbers and they started looking at the profitability numbers and they realized, eek, I've made a really risky decision here. I wanna go back in the fundamental of what this looks like to me is wants versus needs. We live and we exist, especially as entrepreneurs, in oftentimes a want mentality. I want more. I want to serve and impact more. I want more followers. I want more influence. I want more stages. I want more money. I want more books. I want you insert in the blank. What do you want more of? And if we go to revenue versus profitability, that's a conversation of want versus need. What do you need to keep your business in operation? What do you need to keep those investors invested? What do you need to keep your customers first? What do you need to put your team as a priority? Maybe it's more creativity. Maybe it's more resources thought about differently. The number two objections that I hear, the top two objections that I hear with people is I don't have enough money. 
And the sadly, the second one is spousal objection. My husband would be so mad if I invested this. My spouse is going to think I'm crazy. My wife doesn't really agree with it, but dot, dot, dot. And so I think that there's a conversation on marital pieces that we could go into. We're going to host a marriage retreat in the coming months at that same place we just were at because it was incredible. So stay tuned on that. Another conversation. But I think this is where the conversation of want versus need needs to come into play with revenue versus profitability. We hear a lot on Clubhouse. I make seven figures. I make eight figures. I make 13 figures. Like you might generate that, but how much are you taking home? How much are you giving out? How much is being given to the team? How much is being given to you personally? For me as a small business owner, I was in the hustle for so long before understanding about the concept of profit first, before understanding that revenue and profitability were different, before understanding that I had a priority and my priority was fixated on my mission and if I needed something, I could take it. But what I want and need are different. And so the need for lives to be changed, our mission at Fit and Faith Media is to obliterate shame and activate purpose. That means I don't want people staying in stagnation based on what people told them or lied to them about or implanted in them when they were little, false realities, traumas that they've experienced. This is a personal and professional mission that then leads into, if you're not learning, you're dying, the professional realm of activation. Because I have seen time and time again when someone finds freedom, when someone understands the mind-body-soul connection of wholeness and entirety of who they are in humanity, who they were God-designed to be, they recognize for the first time in their life their gifts and their talents and how that can be used for profitability. Grow your business for God's sake. No, really, I mean it. Grow your business for God's sake. That's right. Business is ministry and ministry is business. And it's time we take action in this belief and show up in our anointing with fresh fire. This is a cultivation conference. This is an activation conference. I want to see you reap the harvest, the promise that was predestined for you in your purpose and your calling. But you've got to go back to the root in order to do that. Come and let us water you so you can come fully alive and fully free every single day to make the impact you were born to make so others can also reap the legacy of your harvest forevermore. Let's do this. In Nashville, Tennessee, November 3rd through the 5th, you do not want to miss it. Get your tickets today at growforgod.com. That's right, and that's easy, growforgod.com. Can't wait to see you there. Hug your neck and grow together. I've actually created this profit identity quiz, which allows people to understand, how do I make money off of this thing? You were told when you were little that you talked too much, and therefore you were quieted and shushed. Maybe that's the reason you have a mic. Maybe that's the reason you should start a podcast. Maybe that you didn't follow suit with a creative instruction in your art class and you didn't get the green check mark that we are all hopeful towards. And so maybe you're meant to be a designer. Maybe like Bezos, you're intended to invent 
and wander. And that leads into number five. Multiple revenue streams doesn't mean more work. Hmm, do you believe that? Multiple revenue streams doesn't mean more work. I love this one. Uh, a while back, I was encouraged by Patrice Washington, who is coming to speak at the Grow Your Business for God's Sake conference in a couple of months, which is often a Breakfast with Champions reunion. So we would love to have you there. Glenn was the originator of the concept a couple years ago. It's perfectly aligned with my mission. So it's been awesome to take the ball and run with it this year solo as a company. But we talk about this with the intention of understanding that multiple revenue streams does not mean more work. It means more creativity. It means I get to open up the areas of gifts and talents that I have, just like you do. You're not a one-track human. You have many different interests. You have hobbies and passions and pains that are all intended to be ways that you serve. And so we've counted after I, I got that prompt from Patrice that we had 12 revenue stream opportunities in our business. That sounds nutty. But revenue does not mean profitability if you go back to number four. And so we've had to analyze those things in order to implement profitability measures in each of those places. Bezos is so smart. Multiple revenue streams, y'all. He has so many businesses inside of Amazon. It might have started with books. Then it went into like entertainment and toys and clothing and fashion and every other thing under the sun, right? You can get anything on Amazon. But it's not just that. It's like the grocery element. It's the membership model. When they invented and created Prime membership, they thought he was crazy. They were like, this is never going to work. But myself alongside, you guys got to hear Tony DeSilvestro a couple weeks during my segment ago. We're hosting another conference. Yes, I just mentioned Grow for God. Yes, there's another one. It's called Your Business Scaling Experience. This type of information, multiple revenue streams, and how to actually create profitability alongside people like David Meltzer, who we love here in Breakfast with Champions, alongside Magic Johnson. They're going to be in the room to help you learn this. How do you implement? How do you execute that goal? Because we can talk about goal setting all day long. But I have found over and over again that if you don't have somebody there to keep you accountable, that's the share, the EST of smartest goals, and actually train you up, that's why coaches are so important. They help you design more revenue streams. And they do so with the intention to help you be profitable and not just make more money because that doesn't matter. I would rather your business earn less money and you make more money to actually create impact. The more money you make doesn't mean you're profitable. The more revenue streams that you have doesn't mean that it's more work. It means you get to be all of who you're called to be. And each day you show up differently. It's my favorite thing about being an entrepreneur. No day looks the same. Can you get an amen? No day looks the same. There's always something that is new that I get to work on even when I'm touching the same project. Number six, are you, or, oh, hold on, are you? My notes are wrong here. Ah, here you go. Are you, or are you hiring a team that is operating as a mercenary or a missionary? Ooh, I love this so much. Are you a mercenary or a missionary? 
Do you know the difference? Are you here to die for your mission? Or are you here to make money off your mission? Ooh, I could ruffle some feathers here. And this is a huge conversation within the church, which is why being anything associated to your faith can really get people underneath their skin. Not because you shouldn't integrate your faith in business. That's what Grow Your Business for God's Sake is about. It's why we show up to do that. But instead, because people have done it wrong. Because people have been mercenaries and that has become a false belief. That has become a lie. That has become an indoctrination, even in different denominations. And what I love most about what Jeff Bezos said in this regard is usually, usually, not always, but usually missionaries make more money. Hmm. Isn't it funny how God works? Isn't it funny how it will come back to you when you're willing to die for your mission? When the finances are not the priority reason that you say yes every day. When you have so many resources that you're willing to put on the line not to just make money, but to serve and create lifelong legacy for humanity. It's so much more important to be a missionary, not a mercenary. All right, we're coming to the end. Number seven, I love this one. You regret 100% of the opportunities you don't make or take. But as entrepreneurs, I think we're makers, right? Not takers. We make opportunity for people. We might opt to take an opportunity if it's given to us. I don't know if you all know yet, but Ramon Ray has a new company that just launched. And I was presented an opportunity to be a part of that, to say yes, to go in, to become almost, if we're talking about Amazon, a stockholder at the beginning days of something that's going to be incredible. He has a goal, he has a vision, and he's presented an opportunity. If I don't take it, I can never make it. I want you guys to realize something. And this was actually a revelation that took place in Breakfast with Champions over a year ago. A lot of people talking about they don't have enough clients. There's not enough acquisition opportunity. And what I have just literally ingrained in my spirit and I say to my partners, remember those are my clients, all the time, is you are the opportunity. You're the opportunity that somebody's looking for. You're the opportunity that that person, you're the big break. And that's not in an egotistical way because we'll go back to the conversation of humility. If the customers are not right, right? You are not always right. But this alludes itself to Jeff Bezos' concept of the regret minimization framework. I had never heard these words together, regret minimization framework. And so I, I was excited to learn about it. He didn't give much information because remember, he only has six pages. And so I went to learn about it. I Googled it, that favorite, second to Amazon, right? Google it. And I was realizing that this concept, you regret 100% of the opportunities you don't make or you don't take, is basically the mindset pattern that he has anytime something new comes into his spirit or to his table. I want to reduce the risk of regret. When you go to the tail end of somebody's life and you ask them about the things, the things that they missed out on, the things that they wish they had done, there are regrets often. 
I don't want to be that person. And I know you don't either. I don't want you to regret not taking the big leap of faith to invest and invest in yourself. If you are the opportunity, have you invested in the dream? I had an incredible doctor on my podcast yesterday, the Fit and Faith podcast, which was just ranked five, top 500 globally again on the list for spiritual and religion and business podcasts. Super awesome. Globally, it's so cool. My, my mom's new boyfriend couldn't believe that. He's like, I can't process that. I'm like, well, get with the program. We're worldwide. <laughs> and we had this conversation. Dr. Nicole said, she's also coming to grow your business for God's sake, if you want to meet her, but tune into this podcast. She was talking about taking your brilliance to the bank. And she was talking about how she started investing in herself, double, almost more than double what she was making. She had an annual revenue, annual profitability. She was taking home $13,000. Meanwhile, she was a doctor. She had all of these amazing titles and all she was making was 13K. And she said she would go to church and all her fancy get up in her nice clothes and say, I'm an entrepreneur. How many of you guys know how that feels? We put on a facade sometimes in order to say that we're making all of this money in order to present value to people. And it wasn't until she invested in herself, she took 100% of an opportunity when it was dropped in her spirit that this is the person she needs to work with. She doubled down, she put 30K on a coach and within six months, she was making 200K. Her husband, who was a physicist, didn't believe her. And she was cracking me up because she's got a great sense of humor as she was sharing the story. His math wasn't coming to the right numbers. And he's like, this isn't possible. She's like, let me show you my books, baby. This is an example of husband and wife being in symmetry. Only after she said, Lord, I'm going to need you to talk to him because he's not listening to me. Y'all, there are going to be objections to your dreams as you invent and wander as Jeff Bezos has done so crazy, wild, big, huge, so big and wild that he's going to be in space. And we might be too before long, thanks to him and the many other brilliant minds who are working in that arena. The last thing I'm going to leave you with, and I hope that you're taking note and you're coming to all the conferences and you're hanging out on the podcast and in social media with me, this one I loved. And it's his Latin motto for Bezos' company called Blue Origin. And I might say it wrong because I'm not Latin. Gratim ferociter. Gratitim ferociter. If I'm saying it wrong, help me. Anyway, it means step-by-step ferociously. Step-by-step ferociously. And the key ingredient to do this, in also coming from his book, is exuberantly patient, and patiently exuberant. If y'all don't know me, I would say exuberance is surely one of those words that you could describe me in. And I don't say that out of ego, I say that out of passion, that I have learned and invested in exuberance. Patience is a little harder, but I've recognized over the last 15 years in developing over 15 companies that patience is the name of the game. Patience applies to all seven of these. I'm going to run down them really quick. We're on the hour, half hour. Six pages is enough. Customers always first. Invite in your competition. 
operate on less than you think. Multiple revenue streams doesn't mean more work. Are you a mercenary or a missionary? You regret 100% of the opportunities you don't make. Let's do it, y'all. Step-by-step ferociously, exuberantly patient, and patiently exuberant. Thank you so much for your time. I hope this blessed you. I would love to talk to you in my DMs. I hate that there's never enough time to open the mic. And I believe Dr. Alexa is up. Hey, girl. What is going on? That, that was so powerful. I just, you're so inspirational. Um, I, I know I say this like every week, but I, I just want to make sure people understand. It's just so incredible to me, the amount of expertise that we have on the stage. And I just love every, I love that I follow you. It's a hard, it's a hard act to follow, but I, I absolutely love uh, coming in and listening to everything that you have to say and what you have to share. And I think you just shared something really valuable, right? And the value of getting in on things before um, they launch. And it's actually really interesting because it's one of the things I actually just launched a TikTok on relationships and as entrepreneurs being zoomed out. And- Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free story behind podcasts. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.